Welcome to Seattle Mennonite Church. Welcome to worship with us on Zoom this Sunday morning. This morning and every Sunday we worship uh, and work and live on the lands of First Peoples here in Seattle. That is the Duwamish tribe people who were here long before any of our white colonizer settler people came. And many of us uh, continue to acknowledge their presence here by paying real rent as an acknowledgement of their stewardship of this land for centuries before any of our ancestors arrived. Uh, whatever these months of pandemic and isolation and time away from each other may bring, we know, we trust that the Holy Spirit moves among us still, continues to connect us as a community. We wanna claim this time of physical distance, not simply as something to endure, but as an experience that we continue to share together. This is the weekend that many of us would have been at Camp Camrack for our annual snow camp and retreat. And even though I, I am very bummed not to be enjoying the cozy fire and fun outside in the snow and watching kids build snow forts and make slides, uh, I'm actually kind of grateful to be worshiping with all of you this weekend. This, uh, as we celebrate, uh, Martin Luther King Day as we continue as a community to process what's going on uh, across the nation and particularly particularly in our capital. I think we're all holding our breath a little bit this week as we await a transition in leadership and wondering what will happen. We don't usually get to memorialize Dr. King together as a community and so I'm, I'm grateful for this being able to be in our full congregational worship. Uh, this week, our theme or the, the text that we're sitting with as we continue through our worship today will be the text of Jesus' first sermon, as it were, his first sort of publicly, at least publicly named in our scripture, the first time he speaks in his synagogue. And he does so by quoting, by reading from the prophet Isaiah, the words about God's desire for freedom for the oppressed, of good news for the poor. And as I was listening to some of Dr. King's sermons this week, uh, one of those that he gave at Ebenezer Baptist Church uh, really takes this text and talks about this text of that Jesus proclaimed as his guiding text and as what he felt should be the guidelines for the church. These should be our churches on all churches mission statement. Uh, and he and and Dr. King proclaimed. As he, as he preached this text, that he would be willing to claim this text, even if it were to lead to his own death. And of course, we all know where his life led. He continued to claim Jesus as the center of his ministry and of his mission. And that's where we're beginning, beginning our worship today. Robin and Mike are going to lead us in a proclamation of Jesus as our center. Jesus, be the center, be my source, be my light, Jesus. Jesus, be my center, be my hope, be my song, Jesus. Be the fire. Jesus. 
I invite you to join in the call to worship that's pr- that Megan will just about print said printed in your order of worship. We haven't had one of those for <laughs> almost a year. I invite you to join in the call to worship. And if you'd like to, to speak the responses, you may do that with Pastor Megan. <clears throat> the spirit of God is upon me. Because the most high has anointed me to bring good news to those who are poor. God has sent me to proclaim liberty to those who are held captive. Recovery of sight to those who are blind and release to those in prison. To proclaim the year of our God's favor. As we light our peace candle this week, we acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all of creation. Today, I pray in particular again for our nation as we anticipate transition and as the capital becomes a militarized zone, God may your just peace reign in the hearts and minds of all who would do violence this week. The peace of Christ be with you all. And I receive the blessing of seeing each of you offer me the peace of Christ in in return. Again, our scripture is from Luke 4, 14 to 30. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee And a report about him spread throughout the surrounding country. And he began to preach in their synagogues and he was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was put into his hands. He unrolled the scroll and found where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of sight to those who are blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. All of the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and they were amazed and they said to each other, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown what you have done in Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when heaven was shut shut up for three years and six months. And there was a severe famine over the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none except a widow of Zarephath in Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard this, all the synagogue was filled with rage. They got up and drove him out of town onto the brow of a hill on which the town rests, and there they might hurl him off the cliff but he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. For our children's time today, I'm going to again 
share the story of Jesus, of being on the road with Jesus. Last week, we started, uh, we started actually with the three wise travelers, the three travelers who, who, uh, who weren't, they were, we weren't on the road with Jesus. We were actually on the road with these travelers. And we learned about the first visitors to Jesus family and how they welcomed him and how we too can welcome visitors. So this week we are traveling further down the road with Jesus. So here we are, here are our footsteps. And we get to a synagogue. A synagogue in the time of Jesus was, it was like a, a center where every, just like with when we are able to gather in church, it was a place where everybody in the community gathered and they learned about God and God's word and they were community with each other. And this day, on this day, Jesus went into the synagogue and he took a scroll. So here we are, I'm going to make a little a scroll here. And he read from a scroll. He read from the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah is also in our Bible. So he was reading that something that we continue to read. And in the scroll, he read the words, and I'm going to write them the way they might have appeared in his Bible. I'm writing some words in Hebrew that say, Ruach Adonai Yahweh, which means the spirit of God. Because what he was saying is the spirit of God is on me. And he kept, he kept preaching, saying that the spirit of God is on me. So he was reading from Isaiah, Isaiah 61. If you look up these words in your Bible, you'll find them in Isaiah 61 also. He preached the spirit of God is upon me to bring good news, good news to people who are poor, liberty to people who are in captivity, sight to people who are blind. I'm gonna open some eyes. I'm gonna put an eye right here. Because we're opening some eyes. And release to people in prison. It's a little bit like liberty and release are similar to each other. So he's preaching these things. Here's what I'm going to do. He says, I've, I've come to proclaim. So he, here's this, my, my megaphone here. Come to proclaim these things. To announce, proclaim is like saying, I'm announcing this is happening. All of these things, he's reminding people because he's reading from the prophet, prophet Isaiah. This is what God's dream. Here's, here we go. This is a dream. All these things, good news, liberty, sight, release. All of this is God's dream. Here's God dreaming of these things for all people. And Jesus is saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do this right now with you. These words from this scroll from the prophet Isaiah, this is God's good news. And I'm here to start making it happen. And as we keep going down the road with Jesus, we'll keep seeing good news stories that Jesus is doing with God's people. I can't wait to see where Jesus goes next down this road, which looks a little bit like a river, but I hope as we put more footsteps on it, it starts looking more like a road. So next week, we're going to hear about Jesus, not on the road, but on a boat. So that's what we'll be talking about next time. I'm going to stop sharing my screen and looking forward to talking next week more about Jesus on the road. We'll have one more song. Do we have another song? Or no, straight into the sermon today. We have lots of singing after the sermon. Turn it over to Pastor Megan. Thank you. I'm both impressed, Amy, by your uh, tech capacity there, but even more importantly, your artistic ability. I mean, I could try for hours to do a scroll and I don't think I would ever <laughs> be as convincing as what that was. <laughs> so thank I'll tell you, the secret is to do it in pencil first. You couldn't all see my pencil lines. Oh, oh, that is a good trick. Excellent. Thank you for inviting us into that story. Well, folks, Jesus causes quite the scene at his 
homecoming. He returns to Galilee, which is his home region. And Luke tells us that the news started to spread about him, started to spread like wildfire as he taught in their synagogues and everyone was praising him. Then he arrives in his hometown, Nazareth, and he's a hit. He's a total hit. He's handed the scroll of Isaiah. He reads the classic Jubilee text that we've heard in a couple of varieties, a couple forms already this morning. There's good news to the poor. There's release, freedom to the prisoners. There's recovery of sight for the blind. The oppressed are set free. And then he proclaims the year of Jubilee for all. The year of Jubilee in which there is redistribution of land and wealth. And then there's sort of this mic drop moment. You know, he reads from Isaiah, mic drop. And you can almost feel sure that each one of us have had this experience, probably not in a while since we don't gather in crowds of people anymore. But there's this moment where there's this anticipatory silence, sort of a collective holding of breath. You can almost feel it. And then he rolls up the scroll, so you would have just heard the sound of the parchment rolling against itself, hands it silently back to the attendant, and he sits down. And the anticipation must have been surely palpable. Like, is that it? Is there more? And then at long last, he very simply concludes, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now the mic has definitely dropped. And the crowd, and you've been in those experiences, you know, when the crowd is sort of holding its collective breath and then the final word comes, oh, it's like a release valve has just been released and they immediately set to chattering with one another like, Oh, wow. Did you see that? That was amazing. Like, oh, isn't that Joseph and Mary's son? And oh my goodness. Luke tells us that they were speaking well of him in this chattering moment, that they were amazed and awed by his gracious words. Can you believe that? Can you, did you hear how he just like stopped Isaiah right at that moment today? And they were placing him claiming him. This is Joseph's son. Isn't this Joseph's son, the carpenter down the street, Mary? And just as they've let down their collective guard, the release valve has been released. They're chattering away. They're excited about what has just happened. Their hometown boy has come home. They're thinking it's done. They're thinking it was wonderful. They're ready to rush off and tell the story. You're never going to believe what I just witnessed at the synagogue this morning. J Joseph's son, Jesus, yeah, he showed back up and he is just as poised as you could imagine. Just as they're ready to carry on with their days, Jesus starts speaking again. And he gets real clear about who the good news is for. And it's not exactly for the hometown crowd. It's for outsiders, for the outsiders of the outsiders. It's for those who are not in the in-group. And the crowd that has just been so amazed and awed and excited and claiming him and praising him feels a little bit of an interpretive whiplash and it infuriates them. Like, how, wait, how dare he? This, things were going so well. How dare he? And it infuriates them to the point of, and boy, this is a crowd that turns quick. Um, Luke tells us this crowd drives Jesus to the edge of town in order to throw him off a cliff. Now, it's obviously not the last time a crowd will angrily try to kill Jesus. And at the last an angry crowd backed by the state's power will succeed in doing just that. They will kill him. I've been pondering crowds recently. 
for a very obvious reason. I've been pondering this riotous mob in Luke who are coming after Jesus. But I've also been pondering another crowd in Luke. A crowd that isn't named explicitly in this text, but is all over the gospel and all over all four gospels. And that's the crowd, the entourage that he assembled around himself. There's the 12. There's the women who also traveled with them and financed his itinerant ministry. There's the crowds that came from all over to hear him teach, to seek healing, to be in his presence, to line his pathways with songs and shouts and praise, to host him in their homes. Jesus was clearly a powerful prophetic presence as evidenced by today's remarkable story and many other stories, but by today's remarkable story. And yet, who would he have been without the crowd? Without his entourage, without the crowds of folks preparing his way, laying the groundwork before he arrived in a village or a town, without the crowds that provided hospitality, that assembled all the right people and spread the word about his coming, who cleaned up after he and his sizable crew had moved on, without that massive movement of organizers around him at every stop and at every port, would Rome have ever feared him or even known his name? He was a powerful prophetic presence, yes. And it was the crowds of people that made him a threat. The crowds of people that were drawn to his message of liberation, to his good news for the outsiders of the outsiders. Now it's obviously Martin Luther King Jr. weekend also. And there are two common critiques that are leveled at many of us celebrators of MLK weekend every year. One of those common critiques is taming King, making him the feel good teddy bear mascot of the civil rights movement, who has a beautiful dream and wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all just get on board with that beautiful dream rather than allowing King in his fullness to challenge and disturb us. After all, teddy bear wouldn't have been a threat to the US government. The second common critique is making him a sort of unachievable savior figure, valorizing him to the point of actually leading to some sense of disempowerment. Like none of us could ever be king. So, you know, he was just too extraordinary and, and, and too um, unachievable. Now I recognize the irony and that I am now about to compare King to Jesus. That irony is not lost on me just as I shared this critique of making him into a savior kind of figure. But I do want to posit some of those same questions. Because Martin Luther King Jr., the Reverend Doctor, was clearly a powerful prophetic presence, clearly, as evidenced by his many speeches and letters and sermons and the footage that we have of him speaking, clearly a powerful prophetic presence. And yet, who would he have been without the crowds, without his entourage, without crowds of folks who were preparing his way, laying the groundwork before he arrived, providing hospitality along the way, assembling all the right people, spreading the word, cleaning up after he and his sizable crew had moved on, without that massive movement of organizers around him at every stop and every port, would the United States government have ever feared him or even known his name? He was a powerful prophetic presence, yes. And it was the crowds of people, it was the movement of people that made him a threat. The crowds that were drawn to his message of liberation 
and good news for the outsiders of the outsiders. Well, I'm not Jesus and I'm not King, but I can always be part of the crowd. The hope filled crowd, the crowd that supports movements of liberation and good news for the outsiders of the outsiders. I want to share with you a two minute film. And this film includes footage, archival footage of the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. It is all the more poignant and all the more inspiring in light of the recent catastrophe at the Capitol and the images that we've seen of this very same place. Um, and it's also a really different film than we often see um, in which different people are featured. It's two minutes and I'm gonna share it with you now. I'm an admittedly sentimental person, but ooh, it chokes me up every time I watch it. There's a lot I could say about what I appreciate in that film, but I'll let you have your own experience of it. Um, I'll just say very simply, um, the focus on the crowds, the, the movement of just a whole host of regular people pitching in together. That's a place I can find a home. As I've already alluded to, not all crowds are pro-liberation, both in our text today from Luke, the crowd that drives Jesus to the cliff to throw him off. Not all crowds are pro-liberation in our text and in our world, in our nation. This very day we are promised the possibility, the probability of violence. And I know that I am not alone in needing to lament all that we have already seen and witnessed and all that we fear in the coming couple of days, especially. So with these images from the film, with these images fresh in our hearts and in our, in our minds, 
these hope-filled images of what crowds can do when they come together united in purpose for liberation for all. With those images fresh, let us sing our lament together, which is also a conviction. A conviction that indeed God's got us and that nothing is lost on the breath of God. Nothing is lost on the breath of God. Nothing is lost forever. God's breath is love, and that love will remain, holding the world forever. No fire to light, no care to find, no flower. For prayers today. I invite you to notice what is the good news for you today. What are you hearing in the midst of the crowd? As we were reminded what it feels like to be pressed in a crowd, bodies mingle together, how moving that was. I invite you to take in a breath. Take in another breath. And let it out with a sigh. Oh. There'll be two opportunities for uh, putting something into the chat box. One would be naming who are the prophets amongst us, your gratitude for those prophets, and also any prayers that you might have can go into the chat box. Oh, Lord, hear my prayer. Oh, Lord, hear my prayer when I call, answer me. Oh, Lord, hear my prayer. Oh, Lord, hear my prayer. Come and listen to me.
God of Deborah and Samuel, God of Anna and Simeon, God of Isaiah and Jeremiah, God of Huldah and all the prophets. We honor our prophets of old and our prophets of today. We honor the memory of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who called out for your justice and righteousness for all people, but especially those who are oppressed because of racism and white supremacy. We remember how he put his own life on the line, dying in the struggle for freedom from oppression for all God's children. We remember all of the prophets from biblical times today who cried out for the oppressed. We cry out with the prophets for orphans and widows, for women, for children, for black lives, for disabled persons, for asylum seekers and refugees, for Jews, for Muslims, for Sikhs, for religious minorities, for those who are poor, for transgender individuals, for queer teens, for those who experience homelessness, for different racial and ethnic minorities, for those who speak different languages and have different cultures, for all people who have been marginalized. In this time, we lift up the names of our own prophets, those who have felt the movement of the spirit, compel them to work for justice. Names such as Dr. King, Rosa Parks and Oscar Romero. But there are lesser known prophets among us who have worked for justice and we lift up their names in this time. I invite you in the chat to name those folks. God, we need your prophets today as witness, as we witness white supremacy and racialized violence infused into politics. May your people bold in proclaiming justice and equity. Bring your spirit of understanding to change hearts and your spirit of peace to quell chaos in the days and weeks ahead. We pray for those in the nation's capital and in centers of governance all over our country for safety and for protection. We pray too for our own community giving thanks for the city's support of a warming center in Lake City and praying for an unknotting of the details to make it happen smoothly and quickly in these cold days. We pray for the neighborhood of Rainier Beach and all who were affected by gun violence witnessed by Pastor Amy on Thursday. May any who were hurt in body or in spirit be surrounded by your care. May the system of criminal punishment not continue to victimize those involved. May our communities find solutions to violence that care for all people. We also pray for black coffee today and the continued racialized hatred that they experience as a business and as staff. We pray for our congregation in its ongoing discernment as we hold big decisions in our hands. May they rest lightly. May we open ourselves fully to your spirit, which longs to unite us, knowing the love that each of us has for this faith family, knowing that it is 
from that love that we name our hesitation or concern. May we find joy in any outcome, knowing that it is what we discerned together. We pray for those close to us who are sick and who are suffering. Today, we hold Carl and Devon in your care as Devon is bedridden as she continues to live with advancing cancer. We give thanks for the many in their community who have supported and cared for them in word and deed. Give Devon comfort in body and spirit and support and surround Carl in your loving care. We also pray today for Mark, Mele, Anna Elena as they have waited these last four weeks, awaiting test results for bits of cancer that are floating in his bloodstream. There's real concern for a future reoccurrence of cancer, God. We hold them in your prayers. Turning to the chat box there, I won't name all of the prophets, but please notice all of the prophets and hold them. With the Knopf Siggers, we celebrate the opportunity to send Sam back to school and seek our wellness as a two person home for a few months. With Ruth, thank you, God, for a church community who seeks, listens, and amplifies the voices of all who are marginalized. We are grateful for our pastor, Megan, who continually amplifies voices and turns us back to Christ. With Darren, please continue to remember his cousin, Meredy in Texas, who is recovering for her latest spinal surgery, who is in pain and is hoping to begin inpatient rehab if there is a bed available. We think of Phil today as the creator of Stop, Drop and Roll. Phil Carrasco. We are also grateful for our pastor, Amy, whose children's stories always speak to Ruth and all the older children, as well as the young. With Jennifer, we pray for healing for her uncle, Larry Jones, who broke vertebrae and his nose due to falls this last week. Many weeks of recovery, been on his, in a back brace, lie ahead, and complicated by his dementia and Parkinson's disease. With Ruth, God, please give us ears to hear and eyes to see the prophets you send us daily, especially the unexpected and those that don't fit into our preconceived ideas and prejudices. With Annalena, we offer prayers for her brother, Stefan, his best friend who died of COVID in three days. He was 55. There are no beds to be found in hospitals in Mexico City. Our hearts cry out, God, bring healing to our world. Pray for the leaders at Oak Flat. Thank you, Micah. Sarah, who are in the prayer for the creation, threatened by Rio Tinto mine in Arizona. With Zach and Caitlin, we are grat we offer gratitude that Caitlin's father was able to get the antibody therapy treatment for COVID about a week ago and has slowly started to improve, thanks be to God. 
yeah, for prayers that he overcomes the exhaustion he's been experiencing and fully recovers as soon as possible. With Jean, we're grateful for the vaccine that her mother and Natalia's loving care residents received on January, will receive on January 25th. Also, we request prayers for our safety and urgency in receiving the vaccine too. Please pray that we will remain COVID free until we've been granted access to the much anticipated vaccine. With Sarah, we pray for her daughter, daughter Maya and her classmates. There have been four armed muggings within a few blocks of her apartment day and night in the last two days. We pray for their protection. With Weldon, we offer prayers for our son-in-law, Stefan, who is on the Navajo Nation and has COVID. May he recover. Again with Annalena, that her aunt Yolanda in Mexico will receive the vaccine tomorrow. Thanks be to God that there are no complications. Let us be challenged and disturbed as well as hope filled as we mingle in the crowd of freedom seekers. Loving God, we, your people, give thanks that you hear and receive our prayers. In this name of your beloved Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, Lord, hear our prayer. Oh, Lord, hear our prayer. When we call, answer us. Oh, Lord, hear our prayer. Oh, Lord, hear our prayer. Come and listen to us. We continue in a spirit of prayer and of gratitude for all of the gifts that each of you bring into our community. And in particular, we give thanks for our gifts of money and that we have the opportunity, opportunity to collect those and the, the means to collect those digitally. Grant us, Lord, the grace of giving with the spirit large and free that ourselves and all our living we may offer unto For our closing song today, Robin and Mike are going to lead us in Guide My Feet, and perhaps they will have more instruction on which verses we'll be singing. We're going to sing verses one, two, three, and six. So guide my feet, hold my hand, stand by me, and then guide my feet again. Guide my feet while I run this race. Guide my feet while I run this race. Guide my feet while I run this race. For I don't want to run this race in vain. Hold my hand while I run this race.
Stand by me while I run this race. Stand by me while I run this race. Stand by me while I run this race. For I don't want to run this race in from here, may our feet be guided along with the crowd of all of those who are filled with hope. May we be guided to be among those who make the way for freedom and for justice. May we, guided to find, may we be guided to find joy in this movement of love. And may we find a home among the people who follow Jesus. May it be so. Amen.